Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the latest episode of the Red Cup. Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble, and as always, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today, we're going to be primarily talking about Auburn's new head football coach, Brian Harson from Boise State. We'll touch a little bit about basketball and all that, but first, let's just jump right into it. Wheeler, what are your initial thoughts about Brian Harson? I don't think I've ever had a swing of emotion quite like I had last night. So, I first see the news that you know Harson seriously considered as the guy they said it and I had zero clue who he was and I think if more than 50 percent of Auburn fans were being honest there that they did not know who he was either um I consider myself a pretty serious college football fan but I'm not a big Mountain West guy um don't watch a lot of Mountain West ball did not know who he was um Upon looking at his uh, resume, looking at where he had been, um, watching some videos on him, um, I became super high on the guy. And I think he is a awesome hire, especially considering all of the other people that, you know, were being leaked as potential candidates. Um, I also thought it was funny, Jay Gouge and uh, Alan Green kind of, fired back at some of the reporters that had been reporting that their search was a train wreck. Um, I think that social media kind of took on a story that maybe some reporters that were being fed some bad information uh, said. And so I don't think that the, the search was ever as bad as people on social media thought it was. I thought it was funny. I read one reporter that said, you know, everybody was flipping out the bill court denied Auburn when in fact, Bill Clark called Auburn and asked if he could interview, and they said no. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so it's crazy how, you know, a reporter can hear, oh, well, the search committee's talking to Bill Clark. Well, talking was, you know, maybe we'll give you an interview, decide not to, and then it's, the, you know, the story is hearing Bill Clark has turned down Auburn. Um, yeah. So I also have heard, you know, some people saying that their sources said that Brian Harson was the number one guy all along. Um, I don't believe that. I do think that he was probably in the first. I'm sure that the search committee, when they hired the, um, what was that outside consulting firm that they hired? Yeah, the the firm in Atlanta. I know. What yeah, you're whatever. About I'm sure that when they presented, you know, their names to the committee, Brian Harson is on the list of names. Um, I feel like the Mario Cristobal thing definitely was a potential thing. Um, I still haven't heard anybody reporting 
Because, you know, right when Gus got fired, all of the reporters were like, don't expect this to take long. We could know something within 24 hours. Still don't know if that was talking about Kevin Steele or Mario Cristobal. Um, mm-hmm. Based off of who the committee was looking at, it's looking more like it was Cristobal um, that they really wanted. And then Steele became, you know, a possibility. And then the stop Steele movement probably, you know, hurt that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm super excited for this guy. I think he's going to help Auburn a lot. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm intrigued. And just to build a little bit on what you said, I think the the stop steal movement made a a decision that was already kind of you know a little iffy to to start with, and then they saw how the fans were reacting, and they were just like, you know, the fans are gonna all are gonna hate this hire, and what's the point in a hire that we're not really confident in? That's just going to make the fan base really mad. So I think that the stop steal movement, in effect, kind of helps doing that but at the same time I really don't think knowing what we know now I don't think Kevin Steele was really the guy that they wanted uh another thing I heard uh I read an article that said that Billy Napier wasn't even offered the job they said that he that they had interest but they never officially offered the job so I think it's just you know it's very interesting it's difficult to you know differentiate what's real and what's not but regardless uh we ended up hiring Brian Harson, and I remember uh, I did a I did a Q and A about um, I think it was about a week ago, and someone asked me about Brian Harson. They were like, you know, he's got he's got a great record, and I was just like, I mean, yeah, I was like, he's got a good record, but I was just like, I mean, he's from Idaho. I just don't know if he's really on our radar, but it turns out he was. Um, but I mean, the guy the guy wins. I mean, he he has a great record at Boise State. I believe it's sixty nine and nineteen total. Nice. Um, you know, his, his recruiting, his recruiting is an interesting thing because so nationally from the years 2014 to the 2021 recruiting class, he's been pretty constant. He has had 63rd nationally, 58th, 68th, 64th, 57th, 54th, 65th, and 63rd. So obviously if Auburn was recruiting in that, the co- the coach would be fired within two years. Like that, the num those numbers are not good for an SEC coach. But you have to consider, he's at Boise State. Like he's in the state of Idaho. Like I I think that the the state of Idaho and Minnesota are two of the worst states. Like that breed athletes. So I mean, I think that's you know not you know that that's something to note. But you also can look his. His recruiting in the Mountain West, every year he has been at Boise State, his team has recruited, has been recruited, they have recruited highest in the Mountain West. So they have, if you rank all the teams, he's been first. Uh, he's been first out of all non-Power 5 teams twice. He's been second twice. You know, it's just a, he's done a good job of recruiting against the people that he is recruiting against. Right, you're not going to bring Boise in a bunch State, of five stars to a group of five school. And if you're finishing exactly. 58th in recruiting, you're finishing ahead of some Power 5 schools, which, exactly. I mean, is impressive because there's more than 10 teams in every conference. Um, and so you're finishing ahead of Power 5 schools. That's impressive. I know his current quarterback that he had at Boise State had offers from Big 12 schools um, and a couple of Pac-12 schools, and he chose Boise State over all of those because of Coach Harson. So, yeah, he doesn't have the connections necessarily down here, but, I mean, that's what your staff is for. You know, I mean, if you have 
an inherent if you're inherently a good recruiter and you have a staff that can give you the connections like guys don't care if your coach knew them you know Mm -hmm. they want a good football coach who makes people better and I think the thing that the search committee was probably looking for um was somebody you know they said afterwards someone that was good on the field and off the field um and there's not been any, you know, scandal associated with them, unlike, you know, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, all, some of the guys that were being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who can develop the quarterback, because that's been a struggle of Auburn. You know, our best quarterbacks have been guys that have transferred in. Um, so, very good at developing quarterbacks. Um, but I think developing players in general, you know, Gus was really good at recruiting guys, and it seemed like they didn't do a whole lot once they got to Auburn. Um, and so I think that was part of the draw to going to somebody that won so consistently at a place that had such a lesser amount of talent that he is known for being one of the best at finding diamonds in the rough. Um, he found uh, what's his name, Vander Esch, or mm-hmm. the linebacker for the Cowboys, who was an eight man football player um, and worked on a ranch in the summer and didn't go to any camps. And so he was watching eight man football tape and he found this guy and he's like, this dude's a stud, you know. Yeah. Turns out to be uh, first round draft pick. First round Pro Bowl, Bowl draft yeah. pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so, I mean, even if he's not, you know, recruiting the best talent at Auburn, if he's recruiting the same as, you know, Tennessee or Ole Miss or something, he's going to develop his players much better than that. And who knows? He may be able to recruit at just as high of a level as Gus was, especially with the new football only complex coming in. Yeah, and I do. I think that another thing to to mention is, you know, for the first, I think for the first couple year, you know, year or two, as he is building those connections, that you know, that's going to be difficult for him. But I think it'll be interesting to see what he does with the staff because, so he he, according to Cole Kublik, he's reported that Harson has full control. He's he has the green light to hire his staff, and also something to note. It has also been reported that that was never a thing, that the whole – that they won't come to Auburn because Auburn won't let them have the staff. That has been confirmed as total bull. That was just like whatever. So that wasn't true. Uh, but so Harson has his, you know, his pick. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he wants to bring in a guy that he knows, a guy that he, you know, likes or whatever, or if he is going to want to keep some of Auburn's staff because of the connections that they have, you know. I think that it'll be beneficial for him to at least keep – I think it'll be beneficial for him to keep as much of the defensive staff as he can because he's more of an offensive-minded coach than a defensive-minded guy, and Auburn's defense has been strong, you know? Like, it's been a – it's been one of the stronger points of Auburn football, and I think that with recruiting that it would be very beneficial for him to keep those staff. But, Weather, what are your opinions on what he'll do with the staff? I think it's very unlikely that he keeps many of the offense, uh, offensive staff. Uh, the offense, you know, wasn't great this year. Um, the Chad Morris, you know, wasn't super successful at Arkansas. Gus hired him. He was a buddy of his. Um, so, I mean, he could keep him. Uh, obviously, we don't know what their relationship is, if they've ever had one. Um, but also the offensive staff's buyouts are not nearly as much as the defensive staff. Um, if there is a coach that I think really performs super well on the offensive side in recruiting and in player development, I think it's Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
if I was a betting man, I would say he's going to keep Cadillac um, because, I mean, great recruiter. The guy's going to – so he's going to have his introductory press conference on Saturday. He uh, is going to meet with the team Saturday. I'm sure with Christmas coming around, you know, he's not going to call up a staffer, you know, tomorrow on Christmas Eve and be like, hey, you're out, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he's going to do that, but I – from the videos that I've seen of him, he seems like an ultra intense, mm-hmm. ultra competitive person. Um, I saw one press conference where he was mad that his players were still in bed at like 630 in the morning and that they weren't up at the facility watching film because he was. And I'm like, oh, whoa, dude, like <laughs> that's intense. So to think that the guy is just like celebrating Christmas with his family and he's not going to be watching film is not true. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to pop in the film of Auburn football this year, and he's going to say, you know what? That team had a lot of bad things, but you know what was really good about the team? was the running backs. Exactly. And they yeah. had multiple running backs transfer because they weren't getting enough time, but the guys who were on the field were producing. Exactly, uh, yeah. So if I'm him, I'm like, okay, well, strong suit of the team is this. I wonder who's been, you know, producing this, obviously. Um, I could see him keeping the defensive staff. It seems to me like, You know, our best recruiters on the team are all the guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I know a lot of people want to get rid of Steele and Garner because of the story that came out, you know, that they stabbed Gus in the back or whatever. And who knows if that's true. I mean, there's been so much false information being spread around that I don't know that that's true. If it is true, um, I'm sure that Harson will figure it out fast. But also, Harson doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's – gonna just let things fly under the radar without confronting them so even if he keeps them this year you know if they're trying to undermine him behind his back uh he seems like he's uh tough enough to take care of himself so i i could see him keeping the defensive coaches defense was pretty good this year in my opinion um good recruiting his defense is at boise state i mean they haven't been terrible but they're not necessarily somebody that you paid it you know fly across the country from Idaho and be like, here, you learn all of these new high schools and all this stuff. Like I see him keeping the defense, bringing in a new offense. Um, Something that's intriguing that people never really talk about though is special teams. And obviously, you know, when we talk about special teams, a lot of people think you're a field goal kicker and just how well they're making field goals. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, Auburn had a great special teams year. Well, our punt coverage and our kickoff coverage was miserable this year. And I saw an interesting stat this year that Brian Harson's Boise State team led the country in special teams efficiency. Um, so look for him to bring in his own special teams guy. Uh, maybe that'd be a little bit of a shakeup. But interestingly enough, his special teams coach is his running backs coach. So over at his school, he had lots of guys doing multiple jobs. Um, I think that's probably – mainly because of the budget that Boise State has. Um, I don't know if people saw Auburn's getting quite a deal uh, paying this guy's buyout at 250 Um, That's about, you know, what the buyout is at a lemonade stand nowadays. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure they heard that and they're like, yeah, I think we can swing that, um, which might have been part of the reason he was on the search committee's list, you know. Um, that's mm-hmm. another plus to have a cheap buyout. But I could see him – uh, changing the way he does coaching at Auburn because Auburn has a little bit bigger budget and can probably afford to have more coaches. 
Yeah, well, and I agree with what you were saying. And uh, the interesting thing with this, with the special teams coordinator is, you know, I, I believe it was the Ole Miss game this year when Bill Taylor had his worst game of the season, yeah. and it was – it was an issue, you know, and it was a noticeable issue. And when we would send the punt team out, we were like, oh, gosh, here we go. Like, and that's something that you never want to have, you know. And it's like, I guarantee, like, you look at Alabama, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're scared when, like, besides this year, when their field goal kicker goes out, they're terrified. But when their punter goes out, when their kicker goes out, like, when kickoffs are happening, they're like, okay, we're fine. You know, nothing's going to happen because they have a good special teams coordinator. That's a very important thing, and that's been a problem at Auburn for years. Like, I remember in 2017 when we were playing – the year we blew Georgia out, every time we would kick it to Miko Hardman, he was taking it to the 40. And it was just like, we, we got to stop kicking it to this guy. And it was just like our kick coverage has been just poor for mm-hmm. multiple years. But, you know, that is something – and to build on what you said, the budget that Boise State had – Boise State got hit really hard with the whole coronavirus stuff. They lost. They had to cut their, some of their athletic programs. The budget was being brought back. And an interesting thing was Brian Harson has wanted to leave the Mountain West. So I think that was, that was a thing that caused a little bit of strife around that is that he wanted to leave the Mountain West. And then when all this COVID stuff happened, he was kind of like becoming more vocal that – if Boise won't leave the Mountain West, then he wants to leave the Mountain West and go somewhere else. Because, you know, he wanted to move Boise State to the AAC to kind of take Boise's program to the next level. Because Boise State's gone to four straight conference championships, but they haven't been like – you look at the AAC, who seven most straight. people – Huh? Seven straight. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so seven straight. But so, so every year if, that he was there. Just let that sink you, in for Auburn fans. Exactly, yeah. But it's like if you look at the AAC – like it's you know widely considered the sixth best conference in football. Uh, I personally believe that top to bottom is better than the Pac-12. And if Boise was there, it would be better. Than the exactly. Pac-12. I mean, you've got you've got Cincinnati, who is you know a top ten Boise. team. You've got Tulsa, who went to the conference championship. All their losses were to ranked teams. You've got Memphis and UCF, who while they're are they're five and three right now in the conference, they're that they've been up, you know, they've been ranked. They've been going to New Year's Six Bowls recently. But they're like, having a down This conference. Year. Yeah. Exactly. But their conference is – it. the conference is a conference for – it has more of a winning mentality than the Mountain West has. And Brian Harson wanted to move his team there. I think that speaks to him as a person because he's like, I don't want to just dominate the Mountain West. Because the Mountain West isn't – like winning the Mountain West and doing all that, that's not getting Boise's program anywhere. He wanted to move up, and I think that that is really telling that he is not okay with just complacency. He wants to win, and he wants to play against the better competition. And the fact that Auburn is like, hey, you can coach here, and you can coach against Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and all that, and he's like, you know, he welcomed that. And I think it just speaks to his character that he welcomes the challenge, whereas a lot of other group of five coaches would kind of shy away from having to go up against Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Ed Orgeron, all that. I also think uh, that it's the stark contrast of, you know, I think one of the nails in the coffin for Gus was him saying, we're having a solid year mm-hmm. when we had lost all those games. And I think that the Auburn fan base had almost gotten to a point where it was split, where it was like, well, is this Auburn, is this like a solid year for Auburn? And then the other half of the fan base that was like, no, we are like, we have the potential to be a much better program than this. 
And they said that his interview was really impressive of where he wanted to take the program. And it's clear that he is like a very visionary coach. And so I'm sure that in his interview, he was like, look, Auburn has the potential to be the next Clemson, you know, Mm -hmm. like Clemson doesn't have anything that Auburn, you know, the only thing they have is the football only facility and Auburn's building one. Now Mm -hmm. Um, we have the sec, we have great facilities. We can be one of those schools. And I think that, him coming out and saying, look, we're not going to cow down just because we play Georgia and Alabama every single year. We're going to be the best, you know, was probably really striking. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, I, I just – I really – I really do – That that's one of the things that excites me most about him is just his mindset going into everything. Uh, but to kind of go back, you, you mentioned a little bit how, you know, his development and his offensive style – just to name the four best running backs that have played under Brian Harson in one way or the other. So you start with, you've got Ian Johnson and Doug Martin that were there as he was the offensive coordinator. Okay. Ian Johnson ran for 1,713 yards and 25 touchdowns in 2006. That is unreal. Then you've got Doug Martin, 1,260 yards, 12 touchdowns. Jay Ajayi, 1,823 yards and 28 touchdowns. NFL. Alexander Madison. Yeah, Alexander Madison, 1,415 yards, 17 touchdowns. These are all in one season. And so a lot of those names sound familiar. Doug Martin plays for the Raiders, had a great career with the Buccaneers. He's had NFL career. Jay Ajayi, NFL career. Alexander Madison is in the NFL right now. You want to hear the most interesting thing about those players? You look at Doug Martin, two-star, 1,508th ranked nationally. Jay Ajayi, three-star, 669th ranked nationally. Alexander Madison, three-star, 661st ranked nationally. Those guys put up insane numbers in college and are all in the NFL. Yeah. They were all – nobody wanted them. Like, I don't don't think you guys realize, but but two-stars, two-stars don't really get recruited. Like, Auburn doesn't look at two – if you have two stars, Auburn doesn't care. We don't recruit you. And the fact that he can look at the di- – he can find the diamonds in the rough and the fact that he he has to do that because he's competing against Oregon and Washington with recruiting and they get the, the four and the five stars a lot. So he has to find those guys. But he's going to still bring that mentality to Auburn. And even though he can get those five-star guys, sometimes, as we've seen, a two-star can make the NFL and have a better career than a five-star. So I think it'll be interesting to see just how he does when he's got a five-star running back in Tank Bigsby that that has the work ethic of a two-star that's trying to get noticed, trying to get into the league. So I yeah, just think that's I mean, really I just looked really it up. Good. I mean, the guy has nine NFL players right now. So, I mean, Boise State has nine NFL players. All right, Harson's been there since 2006, basically, you know, mm-hmm. as a yeah. coach. Nine guys. Auburn has 26. So this guy is recruiting a third of the talent, basically, and having nine guys in the league. I think that's super impressive. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So, but yeah, so I, I think all things considered, I mean, I would, you know, I, is this the best possible hire that we could have made? I, probably not. You know, I, I, if I had the option, I'd probably still take Cristobal, but there are not many options that we've looked at that I like more than Harson now that, you know, now that I've looked at it, I think it was a good hire. Uh, I'd give it an A minus all things considered. Okay. So the thing is, I think with Cristobal, you had a better idea of what you were getting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Cristobal, though, was Gus from the West Coast, where you're happy with, you know, maybe getting 10 wins, probably winning eight or nine games. Safe option. This coach has the potential to be really, really good in program changing. At the same time, he has the potential to act like a group of five coach and take your program back a couple steps. I personally think he's going to be the coach that really moves Auburn forward and helps us take the next step. He almost reminds me of a less like warm and fuzzy Bruce Pearl mm-hmm. with the way that he has vision for the program, like less media savvy and stuff. But I think like internally in the way he works and the way he has vision for the program and the way he recruits, I think they're very similar in they see what can be done better and they push for those things to be done better to make the program the best that the program can be. So they're mm-hmm. not just focused on, Oh, I just want to be a football coach. Like they realize that to be a great football coach, you have to have a great program. You have to have a great culture. Everything about it has to be great. And so I think he really is going to bring that culture of excellence and really push people, you know, to get going. Um, obviously Gus was a very motivated guy too, but I don't know that he was as motivated to, you know, deal with boosters to, you know, try and get guys that weren't super highly ranked. I think he much preferred the X's and O's of coaching and drawing up plays and didn't like the other parts of football that are so important. And I think to be a really successful head coach, you have to be great at those things and hire coordinators that love the, you know, love the grind of the X's and O's. Not that he's not drawing up plays and stuff, but like your primary job as the head coach is not to be sitting there in the summertime and drawing up a play. It's to manage your program and make it great. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm excited to see, you know, what happens. Um, But I think I, I'm really impressed with the hire, honestly. And, you know, I don't know if we said it on the podcast I know that when we've been talking back and forth, you know, all the rumors were coming out that the board of trustees was messing all this stuff up. I think sometimes people need to take a step back and realize all of these guys who are on the, and girls who are on the board of trustees are like ultra successful people. Many of them are millionaires or several hundred times over and people that are stupid do not become ultra wealthy or ultra powerful. Like that's just not how it works. Like, so I think sometimes you need to trust and not, you know, rely all on Twitter, or as uh, Coach Harsonson calls them, the Twittyits, um, <laughs> in his rant in one of his press conferences. And that's what he was saying, basically, is people, you know, get on Twitter and they don't have anything, you know, they're just negative about stuff and they don't even know anything about the situation. Yeah, I agree. But so, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, all things considered, we're, we're happy with the Brian Harson hire. Uh, this is a, a funny thing that it's not really – it doesn't really matter at all. But so do you think that Brian Harson would be interested at all in having an alternate uniform for Auburn that is kind of designed to be more of a – to a recruit look, oh, you know, we've got this, 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 and Auburn in the past hasn't done that. Do you think that – that could happen, and would you like to see it happen? I don't think – I think it could happen. I don't think it will happen, and I would not like to see it happen. Would uh, you like it if it was like 
So obviously, you know, I, we've talked about this before, but obviously I don't think many Auburn fans would like if we just dropped a blackout uniform, you know, like Please. I feel like it would just be like, okay, Auburn's never had black as a color, but would you be okay with like a throwback, like something that we wore in the past and was a, th- it was a part of Auburn's uniform in the past. If we so wore we it for like, like a home the green jerseys from the 1920s, or are we I talking? Wouldn't, I like wouldn't say the jerseys from the 70s. I would say more of the orange jerseys from from the 70s and early 80s of the of the Barfield era. If we could, you know, kind of kind of put more of a positive connotation on that, maybe wear it for a homecoming game. You know, I don't know. I think I think I, I think it'd be interesting to see. I, I think I would like if it was a throwback jersey of a style that we wore at one point, I would personally like that. I would hate it. I think Auburn is Auburn. We wear blue jerseys with the Northwestern stripe on the shoulder pads. We wear the white helmet with the AU on either side and white pants. That's what Auburn wears. We don't wear orange jerseys or green jerseys. Think about it, Nobs. The orange jerseys, why would you throw back a jersey that's been worn like three times? We wore it more than that. Really? Are you sure? I think Auburn is only one. I don't think we even. I've read. The, I've read an article about this. I'm going to try and find it real quick. I, I remember we've played. We've played more than like three games. Now the the green jerseys that we wore in the 20s. Now that was about. I mean that that was a very short amount of time. Let's see. I'm looking this up right now. Auburn. Ah, uh, yes. Auburn has worn the green, the orange jerseys three to, or four times. Sorry, we had a two one and one record. Hey, that's winning. That's huh? winning. That's a winning record right there. No, all right. So this is courtesy of AuburnUniforms.com. Um, oh, and by the way, they have an Instagram account. I would suggest all y'all follow it. It's a great, great content. Yeah, is this the Clint uh, Richardson account? I think it is. I believe so, yes. Yeah, no, I love this account. Um, That's how I knew about the green jerseys. Shout out to him. Um, He did a great job. So the games that Auburn wore them in, it looks like we wore it in 1978 against Georgia. Um, Let's see. They did lose that game, and the jerseys did look awful. Um, we wore it in 1979 against Mississippi State. Again, the jerseys looked awful. Um, 1980 versus Southern Miss, and then 1980 versus Georgia. Um, so, I don't know. I think the only kind of jersey modification that I would be okay seeing, and I don't know why we ever went away from this, but it was the orange face mask. Mm-hmm. The orange face mask is an iconic look, and I realize that it looks a little bit old school, but if we were going to do a throwback, I would just prefer to do a throwback helmet where we do the uh, orange face mask. That's really the only thing that I would want to see. Um, I Or maybe, uh, who was it? It was the Packers that did their throwback where they had the brown helmets to look like the leather helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but no, no orange jerseys. I don't think that Coach Harson is going to want to try and mess with Auburn tradition because if there's one thing that Auburn people do not like being messed with, it is their traditions. So I don't think he's going to try and do that unless he wins a national championship. Then maybe he'll look at it. Um, 
And I definitely do not think all these people that are saying we're going to paint the field orange or blue. No, no. Auburn's not going to do that. That I feel like that is somewhere in somebody's will that was really important in Auburn <laughs> that Auburn will play on grass. I will say, though, I, I obviously I would not want that to happen. I would not be happy if we painted the field blue or orange. I wouldn't like that. But I will say, looking on Twitter and seeing the people that, like, kind of made like what the look was I, it was interesting to look at i obviously wouldn't like it but it was it was interesting to see like just a big blue field in jordan hair but uh, all of the good things i just said about this man if he tries to give us alternate <laughs> jerseys or an alternate field color and i will go down to auburn and lock myself to a tree and go on a hunger strike until it's changed there you go that'll show him will (laughs) but to move on from the football talk uh auburn basketball is starting conference play on december 30th against arkansas they are currently six and two and are coming off back-to-back wins against troy and appalachian state uh but the big news that came out yesterday was sophomore point guard tyrell jones entering the transfer portal uh, Tyrell, who was also known as Turbo, was ranked 116th nationally when he came to Auburn. He was a four-star uh, in the class of 2019. So it was it was a – if you had told me during the recruiting process of him that he would transfer as a sophomore, I would think that it would be a big loss. But it really hasn't been – Turbo hasn't really played that much this season. Uh, he's currently the third-string point guard behind Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan. Uh, he had been getting kind of, you know, he, he started the first couple games and he's just slowly gotten out of the rotation. And then after the Appalachian State game, he didn't start at all uh, it, or he didn't play at all. It was just kind of a, a tough situation. And with the possibility of Sharif Cooper coming back, it would essentially just kind of just extinguish all hope of him ever getting any playing time. So that's why he transferred. But Weather, what are your thoughts on Turbo entering the transfer portal? Well, I feel bad that Turbo is not with the team anymore. Um, I don't think it's a huge loss for Auburn basketball. Um, I think if Sharif was, you know, eligible, that it would have been Sharif and Justin the entire time, and Turbo never would have even played. Um, So he got his chance, you know, to show what he had, and he got packed a lot, like every time he went to the rim. Um, so, obviously, based on his rating in high school, um, he's a good basketball player. Um, I don't know if, you know, something got in his head when he was at Auburn or if, you know, just a different level of talent. Um, and he wasn't able to overcome that level of talent. So, wish him the best. Um, interested to see where he ends up. Um, and I'm not really sure why he would have left the basketball team in the middle of the season. I don't know what that uh, advantage uh, gives him I guess he can start practicing with his new team even though he won't be able to play um, but yeah best of luck to him yeah I agree with that and I, I do agree with you a little bit on why he it was a little odd that he left at this point in the season but you know it's his decision whatever uh, but, yeah, so, you know, kind of going back to Auburn playing Arkansas. Arkansas was a team – Arkansas is a team that is currently 8-0. So, I mean, they had a great recruiting class. They returned a lot of what they had last year. 
it's going to be it's going to be a real tough test. But you know, I, I believe that if Auburn beats Arkansas on the thirtieth, it will show that Auburn can compete in the SEC. Obviously, with the postseason ban and all that, but this year is still just kind of like a you know is can our team still compete with the best of the best in the SEC? The SEC is a great conference of college basketball. This year will be a great year. Uh, I think going five. I definitely think that this Arkansas year would be a huge win. And that it is rare that I say I that, but that would be a really, really impressive thing to do. Well, exactly, because the thing is the team, like this is this is very it's like I said on the podcast last episode, I believe, it's very similar to when Danielle Purifoy and Jared Harper and Austin Wiley were true freshmen. It was the kind of year where it was like, okay, yeah, we didn't make the tournament, but we competed in the SEC we were, you know, we won some good games, but it was like the team is only getting better. Like our team will not be worse next year than it is this year. Correct. Like as of right now, I don't think we lose anybody except for maybe Sharif if he, you know, for whatever reason, most likely he'll be gone. But still, you'll replace Sharif. We haven't had him at all this year. You bring in Jabari Smith. You bring in Trey Alexander. A year of development. We've seen what a year of development has already done to Alan Flanagan. We've seen what a year of development has already done to Babatunde Akingbala. We've seen what a couple of games of development has done to Dylan Cardwell, who is playing a lot, a lot better right now than he was at the uh, against St. Joseph's and Gonzaga. So I definitely think that, you know, I agree going 500 in SEC play will be a great, great, you know, kind of kind of step just for next year to be able to bring in a lot of talent and develop everybody. And then next year we can be competing for the SEC championships and the national championships that we're trying to win with Bruce Pearl. But so that's about it with basketball. Uh, you know, I believe, I believe that we haven't have had a podcast yet uh, about officially, you know, Auburn being in the Citrus Bowl. We talked about all the bowl projections last time, but Auburn's playing in the Citrus Bowl against Northwestern on New Year's Day. We will be wearing the all-white Stormtrooper uniforms that everybody likes. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Wheeler, what are your initial thoughts about that bowl game? We can just glance over that real quick. Um, I think it'll be a good game. Um, It's interesting to me, you know, the number two team in the Big Ten is going to play the number four team in the SEC. Um, and so, you know, that always seems to happen. Number five team in the SEC. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That always seems to happen that, you know, it's very uneven. And then people are like, oh, the Big Ten's as good as the SEC. And you're like, well, if the number one played the number one and the number two played the number two, you know, it might look a little bit different. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we might look better in this bowl game, like we said last time, because we won't have all of the people going out and partying. Right before, um, I don't know. I I think uh, as far as bowl games go for a football team, this is one of – a year where your coach got fired, um, the bowl game is one of the least important games you can mm-hmm. possibly have because the football team's not going to look in the bowl game like it is next year. Like they're going to be yeah. running different schemes. They're going to have different coaching. So it'll be fun because Auburn football is rolling out there and playing. Um, but I don't expect the team to look a whole lot different than they did against Mississippi State, against Alabama, against LSU. Like, it's the same football team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think it'll be interesting to see what Harson wants to do. I was talking about a couple, I was talking with this a couple people with a couple people yesterday, but like if Harson wants to be in the booth and watch the game, if he wants to be on the sideline, just kind of be a fly on the wall, because obviously he's not going to be coaching because he just got hired a week before the bowl game. But I think it'll be interesting to see like what he elects to do. Uh, Cause you know, Kevin Steele, he was in the, he was in the booth for like the first year, year and a half that he was actually the Auburn defensive coordinator. So I think it'll be interesting to see if Harson wants to kind of be on the field and just be in the thick of it and be able to hear what the players are saying and all that. Or if he wants to be in the booth, being able to analyze everything, uh, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, but I do think that Kevin Steele will be running all the practices for the bowl thing. Like, yeah. I, I think that Steele's interim head coach, he's going to be the head coach. And I think Harson's just going to kind of be there just around. But we'll kind of give a, get a taste of maybe what Steele would have been as a head coach, you know? like. Well, knows? I mean, also the team's coming back the 26th and they play yeah, – I mean, it's a week of practice. First. So, I mean – but what are you going to do in a week of practice? You know, yeah, uh, no, I don't think Carson's going to try and take over. It's not a normal year where bowl practice is, you know, three weeks and it's like an extra spring practice where you actually get stuff. I think, I don't know. I don't even think Carson's going to make staff decisions until after the bowl game. I agree. Because, I mean, you don't fire somebody and then say, well, you can come back and coach this one game, you know, like, yeah. So look for staff changes to happen. Uh, I'd say, Monday or Tuesday, um, the fourth or fifth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. But, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, I, I honestly expect though Auburn to run a lot of trick plays and just like, mm-hmm. that's what I was, yeah. I think it's going to be just like a fun game for Auburn. I don't think anyone's going to take it. I mean, they're, they're going to try and win the game. And by that way, they're going to take it seriously. But like, I don't think that it's going to be like a, you know, let's grind them down into the fourth court. Like, yeah. I think they're going to throw a bunch of deep balls. They're going to run a bunch of trick plays. The defense will probably uh, – the defense may play a little more seriously because Steele's trying to keep his job with Arson. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think on offense, Chad's just going to play the fun and going, which I think will be fun because I think Auburn fans wanted to see that all season. We had the athletes to do it. And I think against Northwestern, they're better than Purdue was when Auburn just – I mean, outman Purdue – like 10 to one, um, but not much. I think Auburn's going to, I think uh, Anthony Schwartz, look for him to have a huge game. I think we're going to run all kinds of <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah. The one thing that I think will be interesting, you know, the Northwestern's last game, they let Trey Sermon run for 320 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Tank Bigsby, in my opinion, is a better running back than Trey Sermon, although Sermon is a very talented back. But I mean, I, I think that Tank will have a big day. Uh, my mental picture is just I hope I I halfway think that there's just going to be a trick play that Gus put in in 2013 and still hasn't ran and has just practiced it all these years and I think that we could see just like some crazy like what is happening we just you know whatever but I do agree I think that it's going to be I think it's going to be a game that they try and win but if they if they win well cool let's go if they lose okay well doesn't matter. Let's start the Harson regime off. Uh, look on to 2021. But yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. But so that's that's kind of all that's going on right now. Brian Harson is the head coach. Uh, 
basketball's going where it's going, football's all that. So it's kind of all that's going on. We'll probably have another podcast next week right after the bowl game. Uh, and so that's about it. War Eagle. War Eagle. Merry Christmas.